Hey, it's Ophira Eisenberg here. Get excited, because Ask Me Another is coming to Philadelphia. We'll be recording an episode at the Keswick Theatre on February 24th. Tickets and information on how to be a contestant at amatickets.org. And don't forget to take Ask Me Another and more with you with the NPR One app. NPR One finds you the best from public radio and beyond. Surprising interviews, your favorite podcasts, and now an easy way to listen to your favorite station live. NPR One is ready to make driving, commuting, or cleaning the house better. Find NPR O-N-E on your app store. This week, we're revisiting our episode with Mike Rowe, host of the podcast, The Way I Heard It. Everyone seems to be talking about job creation these days, so we went to the former Dirty Jobs host for some job-seeking advice. And we talked to two scientists whose jobs are out of this world. From NPR and WNYC, coming to you from the Bob Carr Theater in Orlando, Florida, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Ask me another. Now here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan Colton. We are so happy to be here in Orlando. We have some brilliant contestants here to play our nerdy games, but only one will be our big winner. And we have three fantastic guests. Joining us for our Meet the Experts segment, we have two incredible women from NASA. If you were to ask them, what are you, a rocket scientist? They would say, yes. And I often say that hosting a trivia show is a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it. But our VIP really knows a thing or two about this. Mike Rowe has hosted the television series Dirty Jobs, and he currently hosts CNN's Somebody's Gotta Do It. Now, Mike actually gets his hands dirty because he actually does real stuff. I mean, let's face it, the only time my hands get dirty is when I'm tweeting while eating... I mean, have you ever tried to swipe left when your fingers are covered with lobster butter? It's very messy, people. Our guests will be joining us later, but let's start things off with our first two contestants. Emily Miller, you are a customer service agent. I do that. I get yelled at a lot. Do you? Yeah, it's got to be all dealing with people that are angry, right? Yeah, more or less, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Do people call up also just wanting to talk about other things than their customer service issue? I I had a lady once call and talk about how her cat had cancer, and that was why she she needed some assistance. I I don't know. Nothing to do with my job, but I feel very bad for her cat. I love starting the show with a little cat cancer story. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Nothing nothing like it. Really cheers everybody up. (laughs) But she did try to help her. Amy Summerfield, you work for a spice company. So I have some fennel seeds in my uh, spice cupboard that are about 10 years old. How's, how's that? Uh, usually uh, a good spice company will have the best buy date on the bottle. <laughs> well, well, I've been told. <laughs> Maybe if you read the bottle. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe if you bought your spices from a good spice company, you know. Fair enough, fair enough. Well, as you know, Florida is home to about 1.5 million alligators, many of whom are in assisted living. So we've crafted our first game around the expression, see you later, alligator. And each answer is going to contain a word that ends in ater. Let's go to our house musician, Jonathan Colton, for an example. Of course, if I said... Should we bid farewell to the ancient Roman man trained to fight with weapons in an arena? You'd say, see you later, gladiator. So buzz in when you know the answer, and of course the winner will move on to our final round at the end of the show. Here we go. I think it's time to dismiss the person who delays or puts off tasks. Emily. See you later, procrastinator. You bet. That is exactly what they would want. I procrastinate. would be like, sounds good to me. I'm not ready to see her yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I need some more time. We don't ever have to pick this up again. Should we say goodbye to the handheld mathematical device developed by Texas Instruments? Emily. See you later, calculator. Indeed, you yeah. got it. 
Say farewell to the apparatus used to hatch eggs under controlled conditions. Emily. See you later, incubator. See you later, incubator is perfectly correct. Would you like to say peace out to the device used to set off an explosive? Amy. See you later, detonator. That's right. I'm not sure if the kids still say uh, peace out. Do they say it to a bomb, though? That's, I, the, that's that question. They might. <laughs> they might. Say adios to the appliance that removes water from food in order to preserve it. Emily. See you later, dehydrator? Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is your last clue. Get out of here, device that gives an electric shock to a person's heart. Uh, Emily. <laughs> See you later, defibrillator. That's right. <laughs> Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our contestants do? To you, Emily, we're going to say, see you later, Game Dominator, because you're <laughs> moving on to the final round at the end of the show. Congratulations. Let's meet our next two contestants. Alex Wittenberg, you work on the Indiana Jones epic stunt Spectacular show. That is correct. <laughs> Did you also want to be Indiana Jones growing up like me? Well, you know, it's funny. I would watch that show as a kid. I came to Disney a lot as a kid, and I was always more interested in sort of being in the production team than Indiana Jones. So I think I might be the one kid out in the audience that was always watching, you know, everything happening all the, all the behind different moving Indiana parts. Jones. Right, exactly. Yeah, so when you got that job, what is the most surprising thing about putting that together? I think just trying to get used to the fact of rolling a 400-pound boulder up a Mayan temple ramp every morning was yeah. kind of, you know, it was, it was unique. That seems like something you want to make sure you got a couple coffees in you. That you're, uh, absolutely. Uh, has it ever just rolled down at the... Wrong time? Well, knock on wood, not yet. No, good, excellent. <laughs> uh, do you get tired of the tourists at some point, working in a theme park? Uh, I don't interact with the guests uh, directly on a daily basis, but for the most part, it's, it's um, they're why they're there, so it keeps us going, you know, it gives us energy. Got it. You will keep your job another day, my friend. Right on. John Rice, you're an engineer for Walt Disney World. Yes. Interesting. Yep. What are you working on? Uh, so I'm an industrial engineer yeah. at Walt Disney World. Yeah. Um, which for any other engineers means uh, I don't really do engineering work. <laughs> um, it's more like statistical analysis, that sort of thing. So getting people through lines quicker, making processes better. Oh. That's great. That's like human engineering. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly what it is. And you consider yourself, I quote, a realistic optimist. Uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> yep. So uh, was... how, uh, from the point of view of a realistic optimist, how do you think you're going to do in this game? Um, I will win. <laughs> but... <laughs> That's one of those, that's one that works both ways. <laughs> I like it. I like it. But no, no offense, Sean, but that sounds just like a regular optimist. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. Uh, mm-hmm. I know, where's the realistic part? I don't get part? the realism part of yeah. that. Yeah, well, we're all winners, right? Yeah, yeah, there you go. There we go. Yeah. I, I was raised, uh, I'm older than you, I was raised with failure. Well, you're going to love this game because your game is called Fantasy Sports. We are going to ask you to identify sports franchises that share their names with things found in fantasy literature. So let's go to our puzzle guru, Art Chung, for an example. So if I said this Florida basketball team is named for the supernatural art studied at Hogwarts, you would say, of course, the Orlando Magic. And because this is public radio and sports are hard... If you only know the fantasy word, we will give you the point. (laughs) 
You can also give us the place where the team plays, but it is not mandatory. Okay. Here we go. These enormous creatures won three World Series in five years, but they had to climb down a beanstalk to do it. Sean. Uh, the Giants. <laughs> yes, that is correct. <laughs> correct. Do you know the place? San Francisco? Yeah, there you go. Uh, that was I didn't want to risk it. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, there's a New York Giants, too. I, I'm sin- sure, it's all good. Yeah. Just, yep. Kronos and Hyperion were among these parents of the Greek gods, which would make them excellent linemen for the Volunteer States football team. Sean. Uh, the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Gandalf the Grey, the great and powerful Oz, and Merlin might all be found levitating to a 30-inch vertical on this DC team. Alex. The Wizards? The Wizards is correct. <laughs> do you know the place? I can't say I do. That's fine. I did say this DC team. Oh, there we go. DC. <laughs> this Newark hockey team has been the perpetual villain from Paradise Lost to Rosemary's Baby. At least their pointy tails and pitchforks don't impede them from skating. Alex. The Devils. The Devils is correct. Johnny Depp led these scallywags out of the Caribbean Sea and down the Allegheny River to play baseball in western Pennsylvania. Uh, The Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, that's right. In Dungeons & Dragons, the fighter and paladin are part of this physical combat base class that also shoots hoops in California. Sean. Uh, The Warriors? The Warriors, yes, exactly. <laughs> Minnesota nice doesn't apply to these seaborne marauders who don't just tackle their opponents, but also burn down their villages for the glory of Odin. Sean. The Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this is your last clue. Aragorn, Arthur, Joffrey, and Mufasa are starters for this Southern California hockey team. Alex. The Kings. The Kings is correct. The L.A. Kings. That is right. (laughs) Excellent game. Puzzle Guru Archung, how did they do? Congratulations, Sean. You're moving on to the final round at the end of the show. we'll talk to two NASA scientists about how they're planning on faking the Mars landing. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and you're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR. Let me take you on a little sonic ships and to disposal if you feel so inclined. My supersonic rocket ship. Support for this NPR podcast and the following message comes from Blue Apron. Blue Apron partners with sustainable farms, fisheries, and ranchers to bring you all the ingredients you need to create incredible home-cooked meals. Ingredients come paired with an easy-to-follow recipe card delivered to your door weekly in a refrigerated box. Rediscover how fun cooking can be while enjoying specialty ingredients and exploring new flavors and cuisines. Get your first three Blue Apron meals free plus free shipping by visiting blueapron.com slash askmeanother. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Away, luggage thoughtfully designed for the way you travel. Inspired by true travel stories, Away is made with high-quality, impact-resistant German polycarbonate material. The carry-on luggage includes two USB charging ports and a patent-pending compression system for overpackers. With a lifetime warranty and a 100-day trial, visit awaytravel.com slash another for $20 off your first purchase using the promo code ANOTHER. Away, first-class luggage at a coach price. This 
This is Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm your host, Ophira Eisenberg, here with house musician Jonathan Colton and puzzle guru Art Chung, and we're coming to you from the Bob Carr Theater in Orlando, Florida. Let's meet our next two contestants. Rebecca Summerlot, you were a high school English teacher for 10 years? Yes. And I'm sure you saw it all, but were you yourself a good student? I was. You were a good student? Yeah, but I didn't really know I was smart till I went to college. So I kind of got through high school, and then I went to college, and I was like, oh, all right, I can do stuff. This is awesome. Jackie Drisgill, you used to be a high school English teacher as well. I did. Were you uh, as good of a student as Rebecca? I was a, maybe a better student in high school than I was in college. Ah, yeah. Right. You got I did college. all right in college. <laughs> I, did, I was great in high school. <laughs> Very good. Well, I don't know if you know this fact, but Orlando is the primordial soup from which many of the most successful boy bands have emerged. <laughs> mm-hmm. Backstreet Boys, O-Town, and of course, NSYNC. So, in recognition, Jonathan Colton has prepared a very special music game for us. It is extremely special. We have rewritten in sync's Bye Bye Bye. A lot of excitement out there. To be about famous fictional spies, or as I will sing it, Spy, 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 Spy! So buzz in when you know which spy I'm singing about. And the winner will move on to our final round at the end of the show. You ready? Absolutely. Okay, yes. here we go. A boat found me tonight. I got amnesia, but I sure can't fight. My identity's not right, and these guys want me dead. Rebecca. Jason Bourne. Jason Bourne is correct. Just 11, but my skills are high I take my notebook everywhere I'm a YA spy My parents are a bit checked out But I have a nanny and she cares, no doubt My friends hate me Cause they don't know I am a preteen spy Spy, spy <laughs> Jackie Harriet the spy? Harriet the spy, you got it I had no idea Harriet the Spy had such a dark backstory. Yeah, I, I didn't either. It sounds like she's got a lot of problems. Yeah, no one likes her. Her parents are checked out. Yeah. Nanny's the only one. It's a, it's a darker backstory than Jason Bourne. <laughs> Here we go. Modern culture ain't my back. Frozen in the 60s and I need a shag. Dr. Evil better say goodbye. I'm a bucktooth spy, spy, spy. Rebecca. Austin Powers. Austin Powers, that's right. I hang with Iron Man and Hawkeye and the Hulk Bruce Banner. Defecting when I can from Russia to S.H.I.E.L.D. Jackie. Black Widow? Yeah, you got it. You said that in a very dramatic way. I was a little tentative. It came across as confident but dramatic. (laughs) I'm handsome in my tight t-shirt, all the ladies sigh. Big drinker, bigger narcissist, and a bumbling spy. Me and Lana have a child. Working for my mother really gets me riled. I'm a satire of that James Bond guy. I'm a cartoon spy, spy, spy. Jackie. Archer. Archer. Wow. Jackie, again with the drama. You're really making some good radio out there. Thank you. (laughs) In the CIA, I fret. The country sees a hero, but I see a threat. I'm bipolar and obsessed, no lie, counter-terrorist, spy, spy, spy. (laughs) Rebecca. Oh, crap. Yeah. (laughs) I know what's happening. I know know the the actress. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. You know the actress? Who's the actress? Claire Danes. Uh Uh-huh. Would you know the show? She's on Homeland. Uh Uh-huh. Do you know the name of the character? We'll give it to you from Homeland. That's right. It's Carrie Matheson. Yeah. (laughs) Woo! 
Yeah. Well, I'm afraid it's a tie. <laughs> yeah. Jackie and Rebecca shook hands. It is a tie, tie, tie. Tie, tie. Thank you. Awesome. Here's your tiebreaker question. What comedian starred as Susan Cooper in the Paul Feig comedy, Spy? Jackie. Melissa McCarthy. That is correct. Congratulations. You're moving on to the final round. It's time for a segment we call Meet the Experts. We are very close to Kennedy Space Center in Cape Canaveral, Florida. And today we are joined by two awesome women who work at NASA. Let's meet Joya Massa and Melissa Jones. People are excited. I'm excited. Joya, what do you do at NASA? I grow lettuce. <laughs> That's, that's the full title. Um, so I'm a project scientist, and I've been focusing um, on the veggie hardware, which is a plant growth chamber that we have on the International Space Station. I get to plant the seeds that the astronauts then get to grow up on the ISS. How difficult is it to grow lettuce or anything in zero gravity? Well, the most challenging thing is getting the environment right. Yeah. Um, and especially getting the watering right. We've had a, a few issues with the watering. Because um, it just floats away? <laughs> well, or it sticks. Um, um. And plant roots, they need both water and oxygen. And so getting a ball of water, you know, and getting air inside that ball of water is, is a challenge. So what do you do? Uh, we use kind of a, a kitty litter-like media. Um, <laughs> okay. It's the same stuff that they use on athletic fields, and it's a porous ceramic clay, and it helps to trap some air in with the water. Tell me about this space lettuce. You know I'm, I really like the idea of space lettuce. <laughs> well, we were, we were delighted. Um, so we got to send um, three sets of what we call plant pillows. These are little sort of space grow bags. Um, with seeds planted in them, and two of the sets had red romaine lettuce called Outregis. Um, <laughs> and, and this variety was the first that was grown in the veggie chamber. Um, we couldn't let the astronauts eat the very first batch because we had to bring it back and make sure it was safe. Um, what could have happened to it? Well, it's a, it's a new environment, you know, and so... Everything we sent up was very clean, but the astronauts, you know, have a lot of bacteria associated with them. And if those decided that they really liked my lettuce, it could have been a problem. Become, so the lettuce could have become an alien? <laughs> <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Okay, got it. All right, so the first one, you were like, we're just going to test this. Fine. And right. then the second one? And then we got the data back, and everything looked okay. So then the crew were allowed to grow a second set and eat it. And then the third set were zinnias, and they just um, were grown a couple months ago. Scott Kelly harvested them on Valentine's Day and did the first on-orbit flower arrangement. Wow, that's so cool! <laughs> so if you had to do a cost breakdown of what the cost <laughs> is of one leaf of lettuce, roughly what is it? Well, it's, you know, it's a little expensive to grow things in space. But, you know, eventually when we want to go to Mars, yeah. it'll be cheaper to grow our food there than to bring all our food with us. So we're trying to work towards that. And considering it's a lot harder to shop for lettuce up there than it is here, yeah. it's worth it. There's no Whole Foods on the way? No. <laughs> because that lettuce is very expensive, just so you know. <laughs> all right, Melissa Jones, tell us about your work at NASA. So um, I'm the Landing and Recovery Director for the agency, and basically what that means is anytime the astronauts come back to Earth on the Orion capsule, whether it's through emergency landing or plan landing, um, I have a team of folks and we all go get them. So what is the ideal recovery after uh, an astronaut lands? We call that nominal landing in the okay. planned location, and it's right off the coast of San Diego in a zone called Fleeta Hot, and we use the Navy to go get them. And when you say go get them, just paint the picture for me. They're hanging out in the spacecraft. Yes. And the Navy, like, yes. bing bong, Navy's here. <laughs> <laughs> a little different than that. Yeah, okay. uh, we're on a Navy well deck ship, yep. which um, basically has the big well underneath the flight deck. Okay. And so we have to go out early. Um, obviously, there's about 26 pieces of debris that come off of the capsule as it's coming down, uh, parachutes and pyro canisters that all 
you know, fall and deploy in different places. So we have software that tracks that so that we stay out of the debris zone. And as it comes down, we get a little bit closer and closer and closer. We call them waypoints. Okay. And we get cleared to go closer and closer. And so then it splashes down and the three parachutes fall in the water. And then we send Navy divers out to make contact and um, put, we call them tow cleats. They're basically uh, long ropes that have an attachment on them that allow us to pull the capsule in using a winch into the well deck. Cool. It is cool. I like, I like all of those words. <laughs> They're all like fun and interesting. Okay, so when is your first mission recovery going to be? So we'll do the first one in 2018, yeah. and that'll be no people, because we don't put people on things until we're confident that it's okay to put people on things. We're trying to be responsible. Thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> Trust me, the flight crew is happy about that, too. And, um, and then the first um, crewed launch is called EM2 Exploration Mission 2, and that's in 2021 currently. Ooh, yes. It's like tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, so, as you know, in space, no one can hear you complain about scientific inaccuracies in movies. <laughs> so, in this game, Jonathan Colton and I will describe scientifically questionable plot points from famous sci-fi movies, and your job is to buzz in and just identify the movie, and after each question, we will discuss how plausible the movie really is. And the winner will get an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. I know. Awesome. All right. So here we go. The Earth is about to be destroyed by a gigantic asteroid. But don't worry, we have a plan. NASA is going to train a group of drillers to land on the asteroid and blow it up with a nuclear weapon. Then we cue Aerosmith for a theme song. Joya. Armageddon? Armageddon is correct. Yes. Would NASA train drillers to go up in space? Is that plausible at all? Yeah, so many fallacies in that movie. <laughs> oh, Melissa, you could barely watch that movie, I, I take I actually it. really had a crush on Ben Affleck when I was in high school, which is when that movie came out. Yeah. So it was easy to watch, but now it's very difficult to watch. <laughs> right, it was easy to watch when you just were like, he's beautiful. <laughs> so what's the major problem you have? Is it how they deal with the asteroid? The training is about two years for yeah, astronauts, so yeah. pulling people off the middle of a oil rig and giving them two weeks of training and then slapping them and saying, go up and get on a shuttle, it's not realistic. There was also this one scene that NASA likes to point out employees where they got up in one elevator and they got out and they went to two separate launch pads. I don't know if anybody else ever caught that, but that's, that's not possible. No, that's a no-no. Completely yeah. inaccurate. Not even physically possible. Yeah, because there's usually, what, nine or 12 different uh, ways Well, I mean, can you, you can't launch one shuttle that close to the other one. Yeah, you that's would ridiculous. Never, you would never do that. Why would you the do that? The launch pads aren't even set up that way. Ugh. <laughs> okay, an astronaut is stranded on Mars. To survive, he needs to grow his own food using human waste as fertilizer. It's not lettuce that he chooses. <laughs> No, it's not lettuce. What does he grow? What does he live off of? Potatoes. Here's hoping he's not on the Atkins diet. <laughs> Melissa. The Martian? It is the Martian. Joya, what's the possibility of growing potatoes on Mars? Well, potatoes are actually a pretty good crop for a kind of a higher calorie production you know, system, but probably you wouldn't do it in a habitat. You, um, oh, in a habitat? Interesting. Well, well yeah. there's just not enough light. The light in a room is, is very, very dim compared to what you would need to grow plants and, you know, enough to survive. And then can you survive just on potatoes? Well, it's not a good diet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't think we, you know, we really know the long-term effects of that, but there'd probably be some serious <laughs> nutritional um, deficiencies over time. I think we do know the long-term effects of that. <laughs> Sort of. Not in space, per se. All right, how about this mission recovery? An astronaut survives a spacewalk gone wrong and manages by herself to make her way back to Earth. She lands a space capsule in a lake, evacuates by herself, and then swims to shore. <laughs> Melissa? Gravity? Yes. So Sandra Bullock couldn't have done that. So you know how we talked about Armageddon 
<laughs> Gravity was worse than Armageddon. Yeah? yeah. Wow. What about, like, just the, the crazy stuff that's going on when she's hanging off the... No, the, no And no. the stuff, the you space never, garbage. You never do a spacewalk untethered. You never have tools untethered. Hubble's not even the same orbit as the ISS. Oh, my God. Oh, boy. That movie was so inaccurate that I never watched it until I knew I was coming on this show. <laughs> So like that's wow. you boycotted it. Well, no, NASA. I mean, a lot. If you talk to folks from Houston who are in mission operations, they're like, no, they're that mad. wasn't just I, after their opinions. I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to waste my money. So, aliens may have blown up the White House, but Jeff Goldblum has a plan to strike back. He manages to engineer a computer virus that will bring down the aliens' shields. Sounds plausible. Not only that. But he's able to send the virus to the mothership using a Macintosh power book. <laughs> Melissa. Independence Day? Mm-hmm, that's right. So, either of you, what are the odds that aliens are using compatible computer technology to us? Pretty slim. Yeah, you think so, Joyous? Let's, yeah. Yeah, they don't have the same um, power cords. I mean, it's, it's probably definitely a different version of the operating <laughs> yeah. system. But, but the question is, is it our last version, or is it a future version? That's a good question. Yeah, because they might be like, guess what? Windows 2000 was the best Windows. <laughs> <laughs> this is your last clue. Why spend billions on equipment to communicate with astronauts? Because a little gray alien was apparently able to phone home using just a speak-and-spell toy, an umbrella lined with aluminum foil, and a coffee can. So why are you wasting all this money? Joya. E.T. E.T. is correct. What do you think? Extraterrestrial life? How close are we to uh, communicating with something intelligent? Joya? I mean, there's a lot of galaxies out there, so it's, it's always possible, but, you know, they have to kind of want to talk to us, too. I'm not sure that's going to happen anytime soon. <laughs> I like that. They think they're too good for us right now. Is that the problem? <laughs> they're going to have to come to us. We can't get to them yet. I think it's very interesting that neither of them are like, yeah, aliens are real. They're actual scientists. I know. That's the, that's... <laughs> All right, Puzzle Guru Archung, how did our esteemed guests do? Melissa won that round, but because you're both so amazing, we're going to give both of you Rubik's Cubes. Congratulations, and thank you so much to our experts, Joya Massa and Melissa Jones. If your trivia knowledge goes to infinity and beyond, you should be a contestronaut on our show. How do you achieve liftoff? Simply make contact with Mission Control by going to amatickets.org. Coming up, we'll meet Mike Rowe, who showed dirty jobs, had him working with men and women who regularly overcame fear, danger, and stench to accomplish their daily tasks, all which has really prepared him to be on our show. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and you're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR. We'd like to say a quick thank you and share a message from one of our sponsors, Green Mountain Coffee. Green Mountain Coffee is passionate about making a smoother tasting cup. Their expert roasters and tasters sample, sip, and carefully craft every blend until they're sure your cup is smooth and perfectly balanced. And now, as a special listener promotion, get $4 off when you buy two boxes of most Green Mountain Coffee K-Cup pods at Keurig.com. I'm Linda Holmes from NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour podcast. What has pointy ears, a cape, a huge ego, and knees that don't bend? That's right, Lego Batman. To get the skinny on his new movie and lots of other good stuff to watch and read, find Pop Culture Happy Hour on the NPR One app or at npr.org slash podcasts. This is NPR's Ask Me Another. I'm your host, Ophira Eisenberg, here with puzzle guru Art Chung and house musician Jonathan Colton. And we are coming to you from the Bob Carr Theater in Orlando, Florida. Let's meet our next two contestants. Natalie Noel, you work in marketing for new attractions at a theme park. 
What attraction would you like to see in a theme park of your dreams? They already built it, would be Harry Potter. Oh, yeah? <laughs> if I had to pick a new one, I'd probably say Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah, right. That's a great idea. <laughs> Catherine Hoffpire, you sell magic wands. Sort of. Do you, you demonstrate with the wands? You work with the wands? On certain days, yes, because we do actually have wands that actually do magic spells. Okay, when you say, because we actually have wands that do magic spells. Uh, it's so interesting having just talked to some NASA scientists and now we're just talking about magic wands. All plausible. Your game is called Decode the State. Orlando gets tourists from all 50 states, and each of those states has its own two-letter postal code, like NJ for New Jersey or CA for California. So in this game, the answer to each clue will contain a standalone word or abbreviation that is also a postal code. Now we want you to replace the postal code with the full name of the state. So for an example, let's go to our puzzle guru, Archung. So if I said this vice president lost the 2000 election but won an Oscar for an inconvenient truth, you would answer Alabama Gore, replacing Al or A-L with Alabama. Yeah, that's exactly, that's how you felt about it. What, what are you booing? We live in Florida. It makes us uncomfortable when you talk about the 2000 election. Buzzed answer, and the winner is going to move on to our final round at the end of the show. Let's give it a shot. Here we go. This TV show about a teenage doctor put Neil Patrick Harris on the map. Maryland? Okay. Oh, Doogie, Doogie Hauser, Maryland. That is perfect. That's right, Natalie. Exactly. This indie rock group is best known for its music videos involving treadmills, giant Rube Goldberg machines, and zero gravity. Catherine. Oklahoma Go? Yes, exactly. This famous cellist has won nearly 20 Grammys and played with the Dixie Chicks and Condoleezza Rice. Natalie. Yo-Yo Massachusetts? Yo-Yo Massachusetts, yes. Give us the next line of this song. Doe, a deer, a female deer, ray, a drop of golden sun. Catherine. Michigan, a name I call myself. Yes! You did great. This is your last clue. Madonna earned a Golden Raspberry nomination as Worst Actress for Playing Herself. Oof. In this documentary named after a game played during sleepovers. Where she got in a bed with a bunch of people. Natalie. Truth, Oregon, Dare? Yes, that is correct. Well done. All right, Puzzaker Archung, how did our contestants do? What a tough game. Natalie won in a squeaker. Congratulations, Natalie. You're moving on to the final round at the end of the show. Now let's bring out our VIP. You know him from the long-running television series Dirty Jobs, and he's the host of CNN's Somebody's Gotta Do It. It's Mike Rowe. So you hosted a show called Dirty Jobs, uh, but I want to talk about your many jobs. You have had many jobs in your career. For example, I did not know that you sang for the Baltimore Opera. I did. I did. Back in the 80s in Baltimore, it was very hard to get into the Screen Actors Guild and AFTRA, but AGMA, the union that oversaw the opera, uh, if you could basically fake your way into that, you could pay your membership in the other unions. Okay, you can't fake your way into opera. That's sure you can. <laughs> sure you can. You can fake your way in anything. I mean, look at us. <laughs> That's true. That is true. <laughs> All right, so you scam your way into the Baltimore Opera. I did. Then you're hanging out, and you decide, oh, you know what I should do? Audition for QVC? The well, yes, that happened, but it wasn't quite, quite that. Well, you know what? It, it was that random. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a Sunday afternoon. And I was just in a repertory company. It's not like I had a real part or anything, so I didn't have to be on stage for about 
maybe two hours counting the intermission, you know? So I walked across the street to the Mount Royal Tavern and I sat down to have a beer and watch a quarter of the football game. But the bartender, a guy I knew forever named Rick, another actor who was spinning his wheels, wasn't watching the football game. He was watching a heavy guy in a shiny suit sell pots and pans, right? So basically, Rick explains to me that the next morning, they're having this open cattle call for auditions in the home shopping world. So I went the next morning down to the Marriott in the Inner Harbor in Baltimore, Maryland, and talked about a pencil for eight minutes until I got hired. Fired three times from QVC, by the way. Fired three times. But then rehired. Well, there's an interesting dynamic tension and a touch of what the shrinks might call a cognitive dissonance in the home shopping world. You can either be very, very good at the business (laughs) of selling things and thereby generate a bunch of money, or you can be good at getting people to watch. And at three in the morning, I was better at getting people to watch the train wreck of my career. And I saw it as my duty not to disappoint them. So then you get this job hosting Dirty Jobs. Mm. And when you're talking Dirty Jobs, I mean, you did some pretty heinous stuff. I mean, sure, there's window washing, but there's also, what, cow bladder assembler, shark repellent tester. That sounds dangerous. Where are you getting this information? (laughs) Was there any job that you thought, I want to do this full time? I'm going to do this. You know, I remember farming taro, which is the key ingredient for poi in one of the Hawaiian islands. And it was so beautiful, and we had so much fun, I thought, yeah, I'd come back tomorrow. But, uh, but I didn't. <laughs> the best thing about the job was simply the fact that no two days in a row were the same. So as someone that has done it all, what is your job advice to people right now trying to find work? The, uh, the idea that there's a perfect job is really comforting, but dangerous in the same way that there's a perfect soulmate. The guys I met on Dirty Jobs and the women, by and large, were living proof that the first thing to do is to look around and see where everybody else is headed and then go in the other direction. The second thing to do is embrace the thing that scares you, frightens you, or otherwise makes you blanch. The third thing to do is to become really, really good at that thing. And then the final thing the thing that makes really happy people happy is to figure out a way to love it. Right. Uh, even at the height of the recession, right, when unemployment was 13%, I'd go in every single state, and when I sat down over a beer with the people who invited me out and asked them the single hardest thing in their business, everyone said the same thing. Finding people willing to learn a skill that's in demand, who show up early, stay late, and good-naturedly take a bite of the poop sandwich when it comes around. I'm paraphrasing. Yeah. But that's it, right? That's it. Mike, would you like to lead a game on our show? See, that'd be fantastic. (laughs) Let's meet our next two contestants, Sam Hammersley. You are a freestyle rapper at Universal Studios. That is correct. That's, All right. That's a job. We also have Carrie Schoveller. You are a financial analyst for Disney. That is correct, yes. How is Disney doing? Are they doing okay? Disney is doing very well, yeah. They're doing very well. <laughs> <laughs> now, Mike, as we mentioned, used to sell stuff on the shopping channel QVC. So we are going to call upon your salesman skills in this game. You are going to sell objects to our two contestants as if they were QVC shoppers, except for these objects could be anything. They could be priceless artifacts, landmarks, trash, whatever. Mike, you can say anything you want to sell these products because that is your gift. You realize I was fired three times. (laughs) You can buzz in as soon as you know, okay? But be careful, because if you guess incorrectly, your opponent will get to hear more of Mike's sales pitch and perhaps get the point. All right. All right. I'm excited. Here we go. Take it away, Mike. Holy smokes. Look at this collectible in my hands right now. I wish you could feel it, because it almost feels as though it's, it's made out of animal skin. Yes, I'm almost certain this is parchment. How unique. What a wonderful thing. The U.S. Constitution... Harry, 
win with the U.S. Constitution? That is not what we were looking for. Go ahead, Mike. What a super way to impress your friends by putting this in a tasteful frame and mounting it on the mantle. Sam. Sheepskin. Mike was talking about the Declaration of Independence. I was so close, so close. (laughs) Okay, let's go on to the next one. This, as collectibles go, this is heavier than the last one, I'll tell you that. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe it's constructed entirely of silver and a a nickel alloy. And it combines form and function as well. I think you could actually drink out of this. Champagne, I think, would go down nicely. The Holy Grail? Carrie... I like that you're buzzing in early with a good idea, but incorrect. Very enthusiastic. <laughs> enthusiastic, but wrong. Yeah. I see it's engraved with so many names, many of which are misspelled, but that just adds to the character. In past years, this particular collectible has been all over the country to Chicago and Los Angeles. Uh, traveling chalice. Uh, we're looking for the Stanley Cup. But Sam, I gotta tell you, that traveling chalice would look fantastic next to that sheepskin. <laughs> Let's see how you guys do with this next one. What a special day for me. I didn't think I'd ever have a chance to sell one of these. Energy is so important these days, and if you find yourself interested in converting one kind of energy into another kind of energy, this is going to look fantastic in your front lawn. Sam? A dehydrator. (laughs) (laughs) It's interesting that you would think that we would use an answer earlier in the show, again later in the show. Incorrect? Unlike a dehydrator or, say, a nuclear reactor... This bit of energy-saving technology goes all the way back to the first century. You can even see them today on miniature golf courses. It's the perfect... Carrie. Is it a windmill? Yes, it's a windmill! So gratifying, Mike. It's so gratifying. This is why I never sold anything on that damn channel. Buzzer Archung, how did our contestants do? It was a rough start, but a great finish. Congratulations, Carrie. You're moving on to the final round at the end of the show. Micro, you are an absolute delight. I was so happy to talk to you, and thanks for the job advice, because I'm going to go get a skill. I think you're doing just fine oh, with whatever this is. Whatever I really, is. I really do. Thanks for having me. Thanks Good again fun. to Micro, everybody. It's time to crown our big winner. Let's bring back Emily, Sean, Jackie, Natalie, and Carrie. They're going to play our final round. Puzzle Guru Archung, take it away. We're right next door to Disney World, so in this final round, the answer to every question is also the name of an animated Disney or Pixar character. For example, if I said one in time saves nine, you'd answer Stitch, as in Lilo and Stitch. We're playing the spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You only have a few seconds to give us an answer. The last person standing is our big winner. Your prize package includes an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube, a baseball cap from Micro's extensive collection, which he says is covered in substances you probably don't want to lick, (laughs) and a head of space lettuce. (laughs) Well, technically speaking, it was grown on Earth, but according to NASA scientist Joy Amasa, Earth is in space, so all lettuce is space lettuce. Here we go. Jackie, it's the first name of Glover, Rumsfeld, Sutherland, and, oh yeah, Trump. Donald. That's right. (laughs) Natalie, it's a mark left on the skin after an injury heals. Scar. Scar, right, from The Lion King. (laughs) Carrie, it's a bus line and a brand of peanut butter. Skippy? No, I'm sorry, that's not right. Emily? Peter Pan. Peter Pan is correct. We have to say goodbye to Carrie. Thank you very much. Sean, it's the French word for light. Uh, Lumiere. That's correct. The candelabra from Beauty and the Beast. Jackie, he's the captain of Jules Verne's Nautilus. Nemo. That is correct. 
Natalie, it's the first name of the man who wrote fairy tales such as The Little Mermaid and The Snow Queen. I'm sorry, three seconds. Oh, she scampers no. up. Any guess? No guess. Back to Emily. Emily, do you know the answer? Hans? Hans is correct. I'm sorry. We said goodbye. We're back to Sean. Sean, it's the name Mama Clump chants at the dinner table in The Nutty Professor. Hercules. Hercules, correct. Jackie, it's a word that precedes the phrases of fabric or of lightning. Fear? No, I'm sorry, that's not right. Emily, do you know the answer? Bolt. Bolt is correct. Thank you, Jackie. All right, here we go. Back to Sean. It's the newborn offspring of a boar and a sow. A boar and a sow? A boar, B-O-A-R, oh, and a sow. Sorry, piglet is correct. Well done. <laughs> Emily, she was nominated for an Academy Award for her role in Goodwill Hunting. Any answer? Madonna. Madonna. <laughs> Great Disney character, Madonna. Sean, if you know the answer, you're our big winner. Is it Minnie? Minnie Driver is correct. Congratulations, Sean. You're our big winner. That is our show. Thank you so much for playing. We're on Facebook or Twitter at NPR Ask Me Another. Come see us live or be a contestant. Just go to amatickets.org. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Narc Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou Jolta Cannon. Our puzzles were written by Natasha Lake, Jim Newman, Scott Ross, and senior writer Karen Lurie. Ask Me Another's produced by Kiana Fitzgerald, Mike Katzeff, Travis Larchuk, Julia Melfi, Denny Shin, and our intern Alejandra Vasquez, along with Anya Grunman. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore. Ask Me Another was created by Eric Newsom and Jesse Baker. We'd like to thank Chris Howell, Verica Kleiner, Nova and the staff at WMFE and the Bob Carr Theater. Beach Bat Terror. In Orlando, Florida. And our production partner, WNYC. I'm Harriet Begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Now, I know if you made it to this point in the podcast, you are a fan of our show. Thank you so much. So, why don't you do us a favor and rate us on iTunes? Or better yet, leave us a review. Your support helps other people find our podcast. Thank you. Next time on Ask Me Another, comedian and Daily Show correspondent Roy Wood Jr. joins us to talk about his new Comedy Central special, Father Figure. And we'll see how he does when we challenge him to a game about his favorite stress reliever, jigsaw puzzles. Join me, Ophira Eisenberg, and guest musician Julian Villard for NPR's Hour of Puzzles, Word Games, and Trivia.